Live to see it, friends, and welcome to the world transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the world transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing great. You know, it, it seems like, though, we have more to say about this whole robots issue. We, we, uh, we were talking robots on Friday, and it seems like we might need to devote another show to it. What do you think? Well, you know, happy Monday. I mean, we, we, we had a we had a fun we had a fun talk on Friday. I felt like I won the argument, but I you know, I just don't <laughs> feel like I've ground you in quite far enough. So I, I just I wanted to haul this back out and drub you up a little bit more if that's okay. You know, just, <laughs> and you know me, I uh, you know, uh, I just you know Glutton for punishment. I, I, I know, yeah. Glutton you for business. punishment or uh, may, you know, maybe I feel the you know, the a comeback coming on. So Oh it either could be way. It, it yeah, could be. But in fact, we're not really having an argument. We're just we're, we're examining two sides of this issue. We talked about it, as you said, on Friday's show in "Don't Fear the Robots," and the question is, should we fear the robots? Um, is the influx of automation and the rapid emergence of artificial intelligence systems not is it? Does it represent a huge economic threat? Does it represent the beginning of the end for employment as we know it? And is it going to be really bad news for more people than it's going to be good news for? I guess that's that, that's kind of the question that, uh, that that we were stuck with on Friday, and we we didn't have a lot of happy answers on Friday, did we? No, we, no, we we are an optimistic show, and uh, I don't feel like uh, you know uh, Friday's was a particularly optimistic show, uh, you know, and and what is normally uh, what we try to do, right? So yeah, I mean, for yeah. a show called "Don't Fear the Robots." I felt like some people might legitimately still fear the robots after that show. So, and yeah. uh, the, the the problem is I'm not sure I can I can do away with that tonight either. But I thought it was worth it was worth taking another look, especially because this one really jumped out at me. This this first story: robots won't just take our jobs; they'll make the rich even richer. I thought this is a really good piece over on the Guardian, and it just goes to show you how prevalent this discussion has become. These these kinds of discussions that when we started this show were you know, fodder for geek blogs, and you'd read them on Kurzweil and things like that. Now it's oh, like yeah. this is a this is a big story over in the Guardian. You, you see stuff like yeah. this in the Economist. You see it on the Wall Street Journal. You see it in the New York Times. Mainstream I mean, media, this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, is talking about this kind of thing, and that's because it's on people's minds. People are seeing what they perceive to be potentially the handwriting on the wall, and they say, "Well, what's going to happen? What will happen to my job?" Right. Um, right. And this one takes the uh, economic inequality issue uh, as as kind of its starting point. So it's it's not just the issue of I'm going to lose my job. It's an issue of the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And I don't know. Step us through that argument, Stephen. What do you think of that? Well, um, okay. Let's uh, so imagine a situation where you know there's a normal assembly line. Uh, in a in a factory, they're making cars. Okay, right. And and the place is full of people. 
you know, uh, uh, and mostly staying in one place on the line as uh, as the cars are brought to them. They do their little thing, and over and over again, they do their little thing, right, all day long. And uh, it's a uh, um, it, it is a unionized factory. Uh, they got uh, and they've got lots of benefits that their union has uh, uh, has negotiated for them. Um, you know, Cadillac health plans and ability to take off a certain amount of time every year, which is you know. Uh, Pretty generous by uh, by historical standards, right? And uh, and so it's it's costly uh, here in the United States uh, to do that. And so a lot of these jobs have tended to go overseas. But what if we could keep them here uh, and compete with uh, with you know cheaper overseas labor uh, by by replacing more and more of the workforce with robots? And uh, so okay, so we we do that, and you know they can make they can make cars faster. They can make cars maybe even better uh, with with uh, tolerances uh, that uh, you know they, they don't fail as often because uh, you know uh, one particular guy was having a bad day on the line one day you know um, you know th- these robots just do their thing all day long and they never complain they don't get salaries they just need to be fixed and maintained right exactly so who in in this circumstance uh, so we we've got uh, Potentially in a in a sizable factory, you got a couple thousand, maybe maybe more, right? People that are out now out of work, and um, and and they're making more cars that are even better cars, um, and uh, and and so who's getting richer? Well, uh, I guess the stockholders of that automobile company are, right? And who are by and large are going to be wealthier than the typical line worker, right? So. I think the argument that the, that uh, automation could potentially make the rich get richer is compelling. I, I I follow that line of thinking and understand what they're getting at. What do you think? Well, I think he makes a very good case. Um, this uh, the, the author of the piece is uh, Ben Tarnoff, and he quotes some stats here that I thought are quite quite revealing. Let me find this again, just real fast. He talks about. Um, technology has made workers more productive, but the profits have trickled up, not down. Pro- productivity increased by 80.4% between 1973 and 2011, but in the real hourly compensation of the median worker, that only went up by 10.7%. What's happening is the share of the national income that goes to wages is steadily shrinking, while the share that goes to capital has been growing. So if you own the means of production, which increasingly is this automated stuff, you're getting more money. You're making more money. If you're a worker who does the work, it it is growing, but at a much lower rate. And what we're about to see is potentially that curve go vertical, where the the, the owners of the machines are going to rapidly increase their share of the wealth, while the you know the people the actual humans who do work. You know that curve may even go flat. That curve may even start moving in in the other direction. So, uh, what's described here is a very, um, you know, I mean, evidence, economic evidence backs up that something real is occurring. And the only way it seems, based on his argument, that increased automation and the influx of AI could possibly drive this, is further in the same direction, uh, much more rapidly. And, and, and really, I think you can only describe it as devastating ways for, for people who work. Um, they're going to lose jobs. They're going to lose their share of, um, of, of the economy. And meanwhile, the, 
the rich, as he says, they're going to get a lot richer. They're, they're, you know, they're going to own better and better robots that do better and better work and, and make up a larger and larger share of the economy. So it's, uh, it is a pretty grim, pretty bleak picture. I think it's, a, it's probably a better articulation of this problem than anything we had on, when we talked about this on Friday. So follow this link, right. folks, that you see here and, and read the story. And, I, and it's kind of hard to get happy after that. But on the other hand, uh, maybe not that hard. Uh, our, our good friend Alvis Bridges has sent us a link to a blog he wrote with the more encouraging title, Building Human-Level AI Will Require Billions of People. And he, he makes a case uh, that actually so much better articulates something that I was trying to say on, on Friday, which is that um, it, it could be that we just haven't turned this corner yet where the opportunities that the technology is going to open up have shown themselves and people have started aligning themselves around that. Well, what Alvis describes here is one way that could happen. And by, in his view, it's one way that it has to happen because what, what he's saying is that um, for, for deep learning, machine learning to really work, you have to have humans in the loop. And if we're going to if we're, going to, if we're going to really capitalize on the economic opportunity that machine learning represents, and it's this huge economic opportunity, I think everyone agrees on that, if we're, if we're going to actually capitalize on that, we're going to have to have more and more people involved working with machine learning systems in order to, to make them viable and make them productive. So it's almost exactly the dream scenario that we would, that we would hope for. Um, and I think he, he articulates it pretty well, and I think he makes – a pretty good case. Um, my, my one problem with this, I guess, is the question, well, are we all cut out to do that, right? Are we all cut yeah. out to be content creators or machine learning trainers or people who, uh, uh, who, who advance that process? What do, what do you think? I mean, obviously, we're not all coders, but he's not talking about people being coders. He's talking about people, uh, you know, providing, providing various kinds of content inputs into the, into the system. What do you think, Stephen? Uh, I, I uh, agree with your skepticism there, but I would also point out that, uh, you know, think of uh, in the developed world, Phil, how many of us now work in front of a computer screen in, in one capacity or another. Right. I mean, um, you know, you can – even jobs that have traditionally been, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my hands dirty kind of job, um, you know, let's say a mechanic or something. I mean, those guys – <laughs> I mean, even that is uh, is uh, becoming more and more data driven, driven, isn't it? So um, that's right. The, uh, perhaps the world is is tra- you know the world as it is 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 in a in a in a in a way training us for working closer with with AIs in one one way or another. So I I, I see where Alvis is going. I also have uh, some level of skepticism right along with you on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I just I, I feel like it's important to ask the question uh, be, because yeah. it's hard to imagine a population where people are predominantly doing that. But it's a really great point that you make that in the 1940s, it would have been hard to imagine a population where everybody's working on a computer. Right. In the right. 1950s, it would it would have been really hard to imagine a U.S. population where <laughs> where most of the work that gets done is done on a people would have, you know, most people wouldn't even have known what that meant. Right. Most yeah. people wouldn't even have understood what, what you're talking about when you say computer. And I think a lot of people, to, even today, if you said, well, you're going you're gonna to be providing inputs to machine learning, they would have no idea what that means. And yet, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, we've made that we've made that kind of transition once before. So um, it could just well, it so, could just be know, that we we can't quite imagine what we can't imagine yet. Right. Know, what, what we haven't. Well, imagined, I mean, I would say, that way. you know, ten years ago, I, my my law practice was very much just uh, where's the paper file? Oh gosh, where is it? I, mean, I got to find it. And you spend that, you know. I can't tell you how much time <laughs> I spent looking for paper files before making the, you know, converting over all digital. I mean, it's that's that alone right there was a huge benefit to me, right? Um, and I mean, but in, in addition to that, there's just, you know, I'm I'm in a way. This is not even an AI. This is just a file management system. Okay. Right. But in a way, I'm working side by side with this thing because it's constantly okay. This needs to be done today, and you know, I and, and I, I can I can put out a task for a week and completely forget about that and work on what I need to be working on today. And then when when that uh, when that thing comes up in a week, oh yeah, okay, and boom, you don't spend any time. You know, you know, this you're thinking, well, that could have been done with a paper calendar. Well, really not. Because uh, I'm working with people in different geographical locations, the, right. you know, and and so you can't have a calendar, in, you know, in, in in different geographical locations that you can all contribute to. So that's uh, it's um, that right there is you know it's not an AI, but you know I'm I'm I can see that one day law practice and very many other um, uh, professions as they are can could easily. Um, become something where you're working side by side with Jarvis or or whatever, right? So, um, and, and, yeah, and, yeah, and like you're, not, you're not you're not you're not at that point you're not doing what you're not strictly doing what Alvis is talking about, just training an AI. Uh, you are you are you and the AI are working together to get something done, other than just getting it trained, right? So, right. Um, Although Alvis would point out that all that while the AI is learning, right? The AI, exactly. the AI is learning how to learning do that to job. Do it, and, yeah, learning to do it better and faster, perhaps than you are, which brings us back to the first article. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't the, know. The, the the thing is, ultimately, kind of going back to the article on Friday that talked about um, that, that, that talked about there's this endless supply of things to be done uh, because there's this endless supply of human want, right? Human need. Um, Right now, at least, and for the foreseeable future, I think, one thing that machine learning does not do, one thing that artificial intelligence does not do is, is create our goals for us. It doesn't say, well, here's, what, here's a good thing to want, right? It, 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 right? If you say, I want this, it provides greater productivity in getting to that. That, that's if you look at a law, a, a law firm where, for example, uh, we were talking a while back about how the discovery process has become this wonderful automated thing where if, if you say, I want to go through all these documents and look for these things, it'll go do that for you, right? <laughs> it, it will go find that. But it doesn't, you know, it does, it's not out picking clients. Uh, it's not deciding, um, I don't think yet, the arguments to make. Um, it's not making the arguments, right? So there's, there's, um, there's, there's kind of a, a big role for the human and a, and a big uh, automated role for the, for, for the machine. In the tension between those two, um, it feels like we're hitting this wave where the machine is getting the upper hand in, in a lot of employment. But it is possible that we can bump a lot of humans up north of that line again by, by getting them in the direction of you've you got to be the ones who come up with goals. You've got to be the ones who come up with outcomes. Um, the machine can, can, can 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for, facilitate outcomes. It can help you get to an outcome, but they're still not very good at de deciding what the outcome should be, right? I mean, even Go, the machine didn't decide it wanted to play Go, right? And you had to right. give it the outcome of winning Go, right? <laughs> it didn't yeah. decide it was going to be a Go well, machine. You know, if, if, you'd, if you'd uh, trained it to desire to lose it Go, it would, have, <laughs> it would have proceeded to be the worst Go player in the world, right? That's exactly uh, right. Or to play the longest game, right? Or something, yeah. you know, who knows what, to create a really interesting pattern, whatever. I mean, right now we're, we're, we're explaining, or just throwing out random examples of the kinds of parameters that humans can set. And that currently, machine learning, AI systems don't set, them, set those things for themselves. Eventually, maybe they will. And that's where we have to have moved higher up the value chain or perhaps become a little bit more closely associated with them. But here's what I've done. I've, I've laid out scenarios here. And I thought we'd just kind of work through these because I right. think, although, although I can't say with any confidence at all that there's nothing to worry about, uh, it does feel to me like no matter what the scenario is, there is a solution. No matter whose take on this you believe, there is a good way forward. Or at least there's a way forward that, that can potentially alleviate suffering and you know, create as smooth a transition as possible. Even if, even if you go to that very negative one, the, the, the one where the robots take all the jobs and the rich people own everything, um, there, there, there are fixes for that. And the one that we've talked about, you know, the, the one going all the way back to Martin Ford and Lights in the Tunnel, is that the government's just going to step in and it's going to pay a universal basic income. Um, you, you, you put a big tax on the machines and transfer wealth, right? I mean, that's the solution. Right. Not terribly and exciting to people like us, but that you know no. that would be the thing that 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 you you can do to address that problem. And and you know, here's the thing: it would it would probably still behoove the companies to move to automation because even with a huge tax, you know, I mean, they they probably could still have an outcome where they're making more money than they did before. Right. And uh, and and of course, uh, this this uh, this money gets distributed among the people who need it. But yeah, not terribly exciting because you know uh, life is meant to have a purpose, right? And uh, if you just get up every morning and and uh, and all you have to do all day is to stroll to the mailbox to get your check, uh, that's that's not terribly exciting. And uh, so yeah, it's not very satisfying. We've we've talked about other possibilities uh, recently with our friend Brian Wong, where we talked about something like maybe universal basic power, you know, electrical power, right. uh, that would, uh, instead of necessarily just income, maybe electrical power to do things, right, um, and to, to uh, have our own projects and to do whatever, uh, rather than just a check in the mail. But then again, uh, you know, a check in the mail, maybe that's, that's power to do something. So I don't know. Uh, what, well, a ch so, check yeah. in the mail is you don't lose your home and you don't starve. So it's got that going. Which is critical, yeah, you know. right? Yeah, <laughs> so. you know, those are good things. Those are good, good things. Now, are there are there ways yeah. to achieve that that still have people involved? Maybe that don't become large. I, I, I mean, I, for for people like us, th this isn't a big yeah. problem for everybody. But, but but I think you know, you and I, Stephen, we kind of come at this from the same thing. It sounds less than totally appealing because it involves government transfers of wealth. It involves bureaucracy. Um, it sounds like it's disincentivizing towards creativity and labor, and and just generally, it doesn't feel great. Now, one alternative I've listed and huge, here, and I'm going to tell you, huge opportunities for graft. 
And well, exactly. Yeah, I already said government bureaucracy. Yeah. Is there an echo in here? Yeah, yeah. So say no more. Yeah. I mean, you know, it 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 has it has potential for graft. It has potential to be misused in all kinds of ways to go south in all kinds of ways. Uh, it, it's it's worrisome to me in a lot of ways, but it's good in the you know you don't lose your home and you and you feed your family. It's, it's hard to. It's hard to underestimate the importance of that. Now, one alternative I came up, even even on this scenario, even on this one, and we get down to all this, is, uh, we'll look at some other scenarios closer to uh, some of the stuff you were just talking about. But um, but I think you've talked about this one before too, Stephen. Rather mm-hmm. than the government taxing the machines and transferring payments to us, the government just apportions robot ownership to the population. Or maybe the, you just, the government just requires that the businesses that own them do that, right? right. Um, so that we all end up being share owners of these companies or just owners of some share of the automation. And rather than there being a tax on the robots that goes to the government and then a check gets paid by the government to you, we just get dividends on the robots that we own. Um, right. we, we, we're, we're all we're all part share owners. This at least has the potential. I'm not sure how it would work, so you know I, I'm, I'm not prepared, and we don't have time to go into a detailed explanation of how this would work. But at least it has the potential for everyone to have some skin in the game here. Um, it's, right. it's it's not just a matter of the government's going to pay you money. It's a matter of you own something, and you're getting a return. You're getting a return on that. Um, the, I, you know, um, it might be, uh, you know, I, it would behoove, uh, I would think, some of these labor unions to negotiate for stock options mm-hmm. uh, for their employees. And I know that, that that's that's been experimented with, and, and some companies do that. But, uh, you know, you, you could imagine if, uh, if, if you're a pretty good, you know, if you have a pretty good level of stock ownership because you've been working on the line for, you know, 20 years, and uh, you lose your job due to automation or whatever. Well, you know, if the if the company becomes more productive as a result of that, and your stocks get more valuable, that that goes a long way towards alleviating uh, some of the sting of uh, of being laid off, perhaps. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, and, and these you know, and those two ideas are very close. Um, yeah. You you could almost say that stock ownership is kind of a middle ground between that and actually saying you guys own this share of this automation because ultimately it would end up yeah. the same thing, right? If you and I and a couple, I don't know, 10 million other people all said, you know what, we don't want our robots doing that. We want them doing this, Google, okay? Um, that would effectively be the same as stock owners voting on uh, direction for the business, right? I mean, it, 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 would, it, would, have, it would have the same, the, the, effectively the same, the same kind of result. So, so there's, there's the possibility for people to have that, that sense of, connection that sense of ownership of the of the business that they that they otherwise wouldn't have okay so before we run out of time let's look at uh, let's look at the other side okay um the other scenario here is alvis's where the ai creates huge opportunity for people to train more ai uh, to, to to be involved in that uh, this one you know you don't have to spend to get an upside it's it, you know it's upside from the start um except i would say that one thing we would want to work on doing is ensuring that this is how we begin this merger with the machines, that this isn't just a thing where, you know, we've created a new role for ourselves until we work ourselves out of this one. But we look at this now as a process where we're uh, increasingly making ourselves more valuable to, 
you know, you know, to the robots as they become more valuable to us. That we start to see this as a as a reciprocal thing. And yeah, we we start to. We, we've uh, heard we've heard similar uh, things from uh, people like Elon Musk. Uh, I believe in the same speech where he. Uh, uh, it made a bunch of different headlines. One of them was, uh, we're probably living in a simulation. You recall that speech right. from oh, about yeah. a month or two ago? I think in that same speech, uh, he was also talking about, well, you know, uh, the ultimate defense against, uh, you know, uh, being completely uh, overrun by AIs and robots is uh, to merge with it, become part of this. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, I, 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 it, it's not just our idea. It's not just our crazy idea. It's uh, lots, of, lots of people are thinking about it. I, I, think, I, I think in the long run, it's, you can't beat them. You've got to join them, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, or, or look at it as they've got to join us, how, how, you know, however you want to <laughs> see it. Uh, it's either a competition between us that they're bound to win, or it's a, it's a cooperative venture going forward, and we get closer and closer together. The, you know, the, I, I, I can't imagine another – I mean, that's the binary, right? Is there a third alternative to those two? I don't know what it is, um, unless they just go away, right? <laughs> and <laughs> I don't. I really don't think that. You know, that that was in the movie Her. That yeah. Was the, uh, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, a little late. Uh, sorry, but uh, yeah, that was sort of the outcome of that movie. And uh, mm-hmm. no, I don't see that as the way it will go down. I think that yeah. uh, we're going to have to find a middle ground, uh, and hopefully that. That doesn't mean one or the other has to be extinct or leave or whatever. It's just that uh, we, we, like you say, grow closer together. I think that's now, a nice way of putting it. Yeah, one, one, of the, one of the ways this can pan out then is something actually very similar to the idea of the government uh, apportioning shares of automation as it belongs to other big companies is just this kind of idea of universal basic robots where, where all the AI is open source and it's made available to anybody who wants to use it. And basically what we have is kind of universal basic computer access, right? Everybody right. can everybody has hardware, everybody can get on the internet and they can start making use of what use of this technology that they will. It sounds very daunting and it sounds very intimidating. But something actually quite similar has happened with the internet and it's worked really well for an awful lot of people over right. uh, over the last couple of decades. Well, I mean and, clou- cloud-based uh, computing. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean a lot of uh, a lot of the uh the heavy-duty computing that you uh are doing there at your desk is being offloaded off of you. You know, it's not happening at your little processor you got there at your desk. It's uh, some of it uh, is it, it needs to be done elsewhere because it's uh, it's it's complicated enough that the, it's offloaded. So exactly. yeah, I mean it's it's seamless. We may not even know that it's happening. I mean, and you know, take the case of cell phones and and tablets and things. Uh, a lot of that is offloaded. You know, um, and as as we move in that direction, everyone's got access to it. Um, and we're all kind of working in, you know, on, on, on projects to, uh, to drive this kind of thing. Uh, the, the end game might be universal basic abundance, UBA. I'm going to start throwing that um, acronym out and see if, or excuse me, that abbreviation out and see if, if that gets any, it gets any momentum. That's, a, you know, we're going to get closer with the robots, and we just drive them towards being the agents of post-scarcity. You know, let's, let's let right. them find the way. We know the outcome we want, like I was saying earlier. We know what we want to have happen. Help the, let them find the path that gets us to universal access to producing food or any material good that we want. We, you know, we have those scenarios out there. The AI can help us get there a lot sooner. And if we're working closely day-to-day with the AI, I think we can, we can get there that, that much sooner. And then you have a really 
from our standpoint anyway, fun economy, right? I mean, this is the, this is the uh, Cory Doctorow's bitchin' society, right, at, at, at that point, <laughs> where, it, where it's not um, even big companies paying dividends to people. It's not governments writing checks. It's, you know, there is endless everything, and we all have a share in it. And there are a lot of different ways that you can organize that kind of society that go well beyond our ability to do, you know, talk here in our final 30 seconds of the show. But um, those are the kinds of scenarios that can result if, if Alvis is right. So, so I guess yeah. what, what I'm saying is, you know, there's, there's good news and bad news ways of looking at how things are happening. Even the worst case scenario here, I think we'll go to something that – will at least function, will at least keep, keep, keep people eating and living in their homes, right? I, I, I do have well, confidence in that. But if Alvis is right, you, <laughs> I think we're, we're, we're heading in a really good direction. I'm going to go ahead and call it universal basic abundance. Uh, it, it, it was birthed right here on the show. So I, <laughs> I, that, I think it could potentially be an important phrase uh, going forward. Remember, you heard it here for first, folks, universal basic abundance. Well, we will be revisiting that idea in weeks to come, and I'm sure we're going to do more shows about the end of jobs and the, the robot takeover. What do you think? What's your, what, what's your likelihood on that one, Stephen? You're over-under <laughs> on whatever. Well, you know, it's, it's, we have a certain subjects so it seems like that could be the subject for the show all the time. You know, we, we, could have, we could be an Elon Musk all the time show, or we could be a robots all the time show. We could... Uh, Today's cure for cancer show. It just seems like it's it, you know the likelihood approaches 100% that we will talk about these things again very soon. We will definitely talk about these things again soon, but not on Wednesday. Wednesday we got uh, a grab bag of all kinds of amazing topics that aren't this at all. So look forward to talking with you about that then, Stephen. Thank you all for being with us, and we will be back on Wednesday with a brand new show. If you get Jones and Four. World Transformed in the meantime, uh, check us out on Tuesday. We will have an archive show there. And until next time, live to see it. <laughs> 